Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path. And this is confirmation for Peter, too, because remember, Peter's on the rooftop and he's told, there's three men coming to see you. I have sent them to you. Don't hesitate to go with them. So this is corroborating evidence that what is happening here is the work of God. This is a really exciting uh, passage of scripture um, because we read in Luke chapter 7 about the Phoenician woman who had a possessed daughter and she asked Jesus for help. And Jesus said to her, I am come only to the lost sheep of Israel. And she said, but even the dogs get the scraps that fall from the master's table. And then, of course, Jesus marvels at her faith and gives her the good news that her daughter will be made whole. And in the Old Testament, we see the stories of Rahab and Ruth as examples of how God's grace would be extended to the Gentiles. Boaz said, it's been told to me in Ruth chapter 2. He said, it's been told to me how you are a woman of virtue and how you have come to take shelter under the wings of Almighty God. And so God uh, has been giving us hints all along through the, the timeline of history that this is something he would do. And after I open in a word of prayer, we will begin to dig into this passage. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that we can be here and that we can uh, open your word together. Lord, I pray that you would be with us all, that you would help us to maintain our health or restore our health where it needs to be restored. Lord, we just pray for your um, wisdom and in the coming days as the presidential election comes to a resolution uh, that regardless of who is in the office that we would remember that you um, hold the hand the hold the heart of the king in your hands and that you can turn it whithersoever you will Lord above all I just pray that you would um, draw us to yourself that today we would see a renewed appreciation and just awe for the wonders of your salvation. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, today I've pretty simply um, titled this message um, Cornelius Part 2 Welcome to the Family. So as you remember from last time, Cornelius was a devout man 
uh, and he prayed often to God. And this is actually a really good story in the book of Acts to show us that works-based salvation is a heresy. Because if anybody was eligible for works-based salvation, you would think that it would be Cornelius. Remember, the angel told Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your alms have gone up as a petition before God. But it wasn't enough, was it? He had to hear the whole truth, and that's why Peter is being told to go to Cornelius. And he had the vision of the sheet to prepare him. Don't call the things unclean that I have called clean. So let's start reading in um, Acts 10.17 and read about Peter traveling to Cornelius. Acts 10.17 reads, Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the man, men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. So this was not going to take Peter by surprise. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. What is the cause wherefore you have come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion and just man, one that feareth God and of a good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned by God, warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he the men and lodged them, and on the morrow Peter went away uh, with certain brethren from Joppa accompanying And certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So we see here the situation where Peter uh, is now being directed by the Holy Spirit um, because this one who was reluctant in the end of the Gospels and who had uh, denied knowing Jesus is now listening and open and hopeful toward the Spirit of God. And I want you to notice a couple things. First of all, the people that Cornelius sent were obedient to Cornelius. Um, I want to look at Verse 7, real quick, just look back at verse 7. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them 
that waited on him continually. And then he told them to go. And so there's evidence that he perhaps was actually that the people that went to find Peter were also devout and seeking. But they were obedient to Cornelius, and then Peter was obedient to the Holy Spirit. Obedience plays a major role in this story. And I remember learning about obedience uh, as a child, and that one of the one of the keystones of obedience is listening attentively and then doing that thing. Because Paul, because Saul in the Old Testament, he, he was good at paying lip service to obedience. He was good at saying, yes, I will obey, but then when it came to actually obeying, he often missed the mark. And so we see not only a listening to what is said, but an obedience to what is said. And then we also see that Peter has an understanding of what, the, a little bit of an understanding at least, of what the vision he just saw said. Because they tell him why they came, and then he calls them in and lodges them. And on the morrow he went away with them with certain men, certain brethren from Joppa. There's great significance here because a Jew would not typically even lodge with a Gentile. They kept their distance, they stayed separate, but Peter is learning that God is doing a new thing. And he is obedient to God immediately in welcoming them and lodging them. And then they leave the next day. They don't delay. Peter's not like, let me pray about it, let me think about it, let me study some things. No, they left the next day, and, and Peter brings <coughs> brethren with him. Um, and I think the purpose is, because in the Jewish law, what did it say? That the truth would be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So I firmly believe Peter didn't want to just go on this mission to a Gentile household, and then have this miraculous thing happen and have no witnesses because he's liable to come back and have people say, well, you're just saying this. How do we know that what you've said is true? So he brings brethren with him. Could we... Could we look at... Acts 9, 11-15. So I want to look back at another time where someone was told um, in a vision directly by the Holy Spirit to go and do a particular task. 
Acts 9, 11 to 15, if somebody has that, if they could read it. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And as seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here hath, he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So we have here another situation where a man is told in a vision where to go and what to expect. And I just, I just think it's interesting that God gives detailed instructions and expects them to be followed. If, if Peter doesn't go to Cornelius, Cornelius doesn't hear the truth. If Ananias doesn't go to Paul, Paul doesn't get his commission. Now, I believe that God can use other people if we choose to not do his will because he doesn't need us. He chooses to use us. But I think it's interesting, the direct detail... And how when God tells you to do something, it always works out the way that he wants it to be done. And in both cases, in both these cases that we just read about, there would be reason for hesitation. Ananias is like, this man has done crazy, awful things to Christians. Why would I go and meet with him? And he said... I know that he has done awful things, but he will be my missionary to the Gentiles. And so, the next point as we move on down this passage is Peter's going to explain why he came. In the first one, we saw him take off on this journey. In the second point, we're going to hear an explanation of why he came. And I did want to share this quote, in which I intended to share in the introduction, which is from John Calvin. He said, No man is excluded from calling upon God. The gate of salvation is set open unto all men, neither is there any other thing which keepeth us back from entering in, save our own unbelief. And so it's very clear in Scripture that the way is open to both Jew and Gentile. But if we read from verses 24 to 29 of Acts 10, we find the following. 
And the morrow, after they entered into Syria, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. I think there's significance here, because if you are about to hear the best news in the world, uh, you want to share it with others. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man, also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, You know that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God hath shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for. I ask therefore, for what to intent have you sent me? Interestingly enough, in today's climate, where everything is supposedly racist, this verse, these verses should stop that conversation immediately. Listen to this again. You know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come on to one of another nation, but God hath shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Every man is made in the image of God. Those of you who know me know that the uh, pro-life issue is a, is a uh, big burden on my heart. And I used to always have these long, drawn-out explanations for why why I was pro-life and why it made sense and sometimes those are still necessary but I've seen an alarming amount of people who claim to be Christians who justified voting for a presidential candidate who is for the legal and continued murder of unborn children and the, the argument that I have made recently has been much more simple and that is do you believe that you were made in the image of God? If you believe in the literal truth of Genesis chapter 1 that God breathed into man and man became a living soul that means that we're made in the image of God that means that there is no way that you can justify a position which includes murdering that image in the womb of its mother. Absolutely zero. But as we go on through this passage, we see that Cornelius doesn't understand what it is to be a believer yet. He bows down and worships Peter for coming. Perhaps he thought that Peter was the Messiah coming to make himself known. 
But he didn't understand that. But Peter says, I'm just a man. And he pulls him up. You know, there's another place where this happened. Peter fell at the feet of Jesus and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Jesus never pulled Peter up on his feet. So for people who say that Jesus did not declare his deity, when he was worshipped and he never rejected that worship, he was claiming his deity. But then Peter says, Why have you asked me to come? Why have you sent for me? Because obviously... There's a reason. I want to look at another person real quick before we move on who called their friends together and told them of the exciting things that they were learning and the things that they hoped to learn. And that is in John chapter 4, John 4, verses 28 to 30. John 4, 28 to 30, this is, of course, the woman at the well. Jesus has just gotten done talking to her and telling her um, things about her past. And then he's given her hope for the future. So this is her reaction. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things. This be the Christ. Then they went out of the city and came to him. So she comes to these people and she says, I met a man who told me everything I ever did. And this was a woman of ill repute, a woman who was coming to the well at midday because she was not welcome in the early coolness of the morning. And yet she is, she is saying, this man told me everything I ever did, and yet I want you to come and see him, because there's only one explanation. He has to be the Christ. And then the people heard him speak, and what did they say? Now we believe that you are the Son of God, not because of what she said, but because we have heard you with our own ears. One Samaritan woman changed her whole city with the truth of the gospel. So if you ever think that your role is small and insignificant, remember the woman at the well. So, our third section is Cornelius telling his story, and that is Acts 10, 30 to 33. Acts 10, 30 to 33. Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me 
in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner, by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak to thee. Immediately, immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast done well that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all present before God to hear all the things that are commanded thee of God. So, this is a great opening for Peter. Most people don't just Uh, aren't just waiting for you to share the gospel in this way. And Cornelius, I think it's interesting, he says, I want to hear all things that you have to tell me from God. Everything that's commanded. And notice the detail. Because God didn't say, go send someone to Joppa and find a man at a house who will tell you these things. He said, find a man named Simon who is lodging in the house of Simon the Tanner. He told them where to go and they found him. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path. And this is confirmation for Peter too, because remember, Peter's on the rooftop and he's told, there's three men coming to see you. I have sent them to you. Don't hesitate to go with them. So this is corroborating evidence that what is happening here is the work of God. We need to be very careful in this day and age especially that when we are hearing people preach the word of God or sell a Christian self-help book that their conclusions are biblically sound. Because the Bible doesn't contradict itself. My dad told me a long time ago the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Someone's preaching something that seems in direct contradiction to something else in the scripture. You better search out the truth. The whole book of John and basically all of John's epistles were written because people basically were saying, in an, as Gnostics, you can't know the truth. You can't know that you have eternal life. But what did John say in 1 John? These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. So when someone tells me, hey, uh, you can lose your salvation. 
Or if someone says, you won't know that you're saved until you get to heaven and you find out whether you're worthy. I can direct them to 1 John and say, these things were written that I may know that I have eternal life. And guess what? You can know too. And God is in the process of telling Peter that it's not just the Jews who are getting this information. Who are given this privilege. It is the Gentiles. As well. If we could look. At 1 Peter. 2. 1 and 2. 1 Peter 2. 1 and 2. And this is the situation that Peter is walking into. He's walking into a situation with Cornelius and all his household. They've been devout. They've been following God to as much as they understood of God. And now they're desiring the truth of God as newborn babes. And Cornelius has his household there and he's like, just tell us everything that you can tell us about the Lord God and what he has for us to know. And so then this next section Peter is going to preach the gospel. Acts 10 34 to 43. So Acts 10 34 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I have perceived that God is no respecter of person, but in every nation he that feareth him and walketh and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word of God or the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. So remember, uh, Peter had said uh, before, I am just a man. But now he's saying, Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say, ye know which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he both which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, 
not to all people, but unto witness chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead, to give to him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remission of sins. So Peter is taking the time to go through the gospel and um, he's saying that Cornelius knows about Jesus of Nazareth. He's implying that, that Cornelius knew the stories about Jesus, how he had died on a cross, but perhaps Cornelius thought that he was still dead, but Peter says no, he rose from the dead. And he appeared to us. And he wasn't just a spirit. Remember, he came to the, the disciples through the door of the upper room. But he said, a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see me have. And then he said, what do you have to eat? Of all the things Jesus could have said, it's interesting that he asks that question. What do you have to eat? Isn't it interesting that the man who would later cook a fish dinner for the disciples on the shore of Galilee, the man who created it all, still asked the disciples, what do you have to eat? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and yet he wants to use that which we have for his Lord. He asked Andrew and Philip to feed the 5,000, knowing they couldn't, but he still asked them why. Because he wanted them to see that with God, any one of us is a majority. And he took those five loaves and those two fishes and he fed 5,000 people until they were full. We're talking all-you-can-eat buffet here. And then there were 12 baskets that he took up, that they took up. One basket for each disciple. Imagine those disciples who didn't bring any food picking up their one basket, each of them, and having those provisions as they went along the journey. Because God is a good God, and He is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all, that we could ask for them. According to the power which worketh in us. He can work his power totally separate from us. But he chooses to use us. God's power could have miraculously healed that lame man that Peter and John healed at 25 
or 30 or 35. He could have just woken up one morning and been able to stand on his own two feet. But God caused Peter and John to walk up to that temple gate on that day to that man begging alms. And Peter was able to say, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Leaving no doubt of who was doing the healing. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Jesus didn't have to heal in another's name because his name was powerful enough to heal. And because he healed, or because he forgave the sins of the lame man, and the Pharisees doubted, he said, which is easier? To say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk. And so, because they didn't believe his ability to forgive sins, he just said to the man, rise up and walk. The man didn't have walking lessons. He didn't use crutches for a day. He got up, his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he walked. My feet are, are very deformed from not walking on them. But if God healed me today, he would give me new feet. And he will give me new feet someday because God's healing is complete. I think we're going to stop there and we will finish Acts 10 probably in January because December is upon us when next we meet. And I trust to be able to bring you a message of the season. But I hope that this has encouraged you to see how God is working to bring people to himself. Our God is a God of details. And I'm thankful for that. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this testimony of Peter to Cornelius. We thank you for Peter's obedience. We thank you that you have turned this brash man who was always saying the wrong thing, who denied even knowing you into a powerful preacher of your word, not because of him, but because of you. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to your mercy have you saved us and we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would go with us in our, our separate ways, keep us safe as we drive home and uh, just uh, bless us and keep us, make your face shine upon us. And Lord, I, in closing, I pray for our country. Lord, I, I pray that um, if it is your will for Joe Biden to be our president, Lord. I pray that you would change his heart. No one is beyond the scope of your grace, Lord. And so I pray even now 
that he would have a transformative experience brought on only by the Holy Spirit of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.